This is episode 163 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share that I'm gifting something to you and your pelvic floor because it's my birthday and that's how I want to celebrate. So if you're pregnant and want to have a more comfortable pregnancy, including finding ways to address pelvic floor symptoms like leaking pee or pelvic pain, if you want to prepare mentally and physically, including your pelvic floor for birth and ways to minimize tearing, and if you want to prepare ahead for a smoother postpartum recovery, you'll want to join my online bump to birth course that covers all of this and goes beyond a traditional birth prep class. My gift to you and your pelvic floor is if you enroll today on my birthday, February 23rd, or over the next two days by 9 p.m. EST, February 25th, you'll receive a $50 gift card for Bayo Bay Body, which is a female physio-owned company that has created my favorite pregnancy and postpartum support garments. I love recommending them, and my favorite would be the bloomers, which can be used in both pregnancy and postpartum, and so many of my clients have raved about them. When you enroll in the Bump to Birth online course, you get to meet other expecting moms in the private members-only Facebook group where you also get access to me throughout your pregnancy and early postpartum recovery. Plus, I do live group coaching calls where you can ask questions as you go through the course. It's really important to me that you're supported not just physically, but mentally and emotionally through the course in your pregnancy and postpartum recovery. So if you're ready to have a more comfortable pregnancy, be prepared for birth and a smoother postpartum recovery, Plus, if you're excited for a gift card you can use to get incredible pregnancy and postpartum support garments from Bayo Bay Body, head to the show notes for the course link or go to bumptobirthcourse.com. If you're not listening in real time for this unique birthday gift, you can still enroll in Bump to Birth through the same link. I'm so excited to have you join. So on to today's episode. This is a recording of a Q&A session that I did recently on Instagram with Hannah Ross, who is also a public health physiotherapist. We actually used to work together. We've both worked with hundreds of pregnant clients in our physiotherapy practices. And so this Q&A is all about the pelvic floor in pregnancy and preparing for birth. We had a lot of great questions submitted that I'm sure you're wondering about too. So you'll get the answers in today's episode. So let's jump in. There we are. Hi. Sorry, I had to wrangle a number of children, and yes. I got a little more chaotic than I would like. I'm trying to organize myself here, but I'm 
Cool, calm, and collected, yeah. and so excited to chat with you. How are you? I know. How are you? I'm, I know. Amazing. Well, I don't know how you do it with four. I've got two, and wrangling two is a lot. So what I'll say I can is, only imagine four. if you notice some background noise, let's just pretend that none of us know. <laughs> Oh, I know. The two, my two kiddos are in bed, but like, I'm sure I will hear them at some point. But they're not. Yeah. But this is great. I was having people who are joining in put if they are pregnant and where they are in pregnancy and if they've been preparing. So I know Taylor mentioned my first pregnancy, I did zero prep and was never Mm -hmm. guided. So this time around, I'm trying to do more and still learning what's best. That's awesome. And I think that's the thing is over time too, and especially with social media, people are hearing more about preparing in different ways. And sometimes it can be overwhelming because now there's almost so much out there. Um, Yes. And what's right and what's wrong. And almost, you know what I also find is that people, it's almost like, um, depending on what kind of first birth that they had, it's almost like there's this massive like burden to do it right the second time. Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, you're right. So someone who has given birth before, depending on your experience, then there may, you may feel more pressure to, yeah. you know, prepare differently the next time. And I know we did get some questions about that, including about yeah. feedback. Yeah, so I noticed so, a lot of that as well. So I want to be yeah. like, every birth is beautiful, but there are things we can do to empower you yeah. so that you can have a more supported birth and a birth that you feel amazing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to introduce yourself, Hannah? Sure. I want to hear about who I am, but yeah, share about yourself. So I'm Hannah Ross. Um, I am a pelvic health physio and the clinic director of vital physiotherapy and wellness in Midtown Toronto. And we are a pelvic health and uh, women's health clinic. We are multidisciplinary, but we were built um, as a group of pelvic physios uh, who are just working to make the world a better place one pelvic floor at a time. So um, for those of you, I I guess, who I'm meeting for the first time, Anita and I jumped in a while back to doing Facebook Lives together. And uh, we had a really good time. We took a very long pause. And so I am super excited to be hanging out with you again and talking about this really important topic with you. No, that's great. And I was saying earlier too, so Hannah and I work together in Toronto. So now I'm in Peterborough and my practice is holistic health physio. And uh, and we have lots of ways that we work with people. I was saying I've got my bump to birth online course for expecting moms who want to prepare. We've also got the two birth and beyond podcast, which uh, Hannah has been a guest on a few times and we've got some more coming up, which is exciting. And how else do you work? Um, with uh with clients so we we've got a couple of we've got workshops that we do regularly uh pelvic health and core workshops that we do um we've actually got a uh pelvic floor rehab course coming down the pipes for people who uh, uh postpartum people who are interested in rehabbing um, and be a little uncertain whether they want to come into clinic or work with us virtually. Um, And we've also got some, um, I'm teaching a course for physios on how to provide virtual care, which is something that I actually love doing prenatally because um, we, it's so effective and we get such great results. And I know that you do the same. And so we've, I guess the better question is how, how don't we work with clients? It's, 
It's true. It's true. And we'll be talking about, because there was um, definitely one particular question about pelvic physio. So we're going to be talking about that specifically in pregnancy. So why don't we jump into some of the questions and then you can post questions if you're on live. If you have questions, but I know we got quite a few. So we'll see how many we can we can get through. So okay, I'm ready. Someone... Let's do it. <laughs> um, what, the first question was, um, I was told to do Kegels, but then hearing more about relaxing my Kegel muscles instead for birth, what's the best thing to do? So yes, and I feel like this is really <laughs> common and... Okay. The pendulum keeps swinging, yeah. um, but it can even be good. Do you have your pelvis with you, Hannah? Do I? Yeah. Do I? <laughs> I know. It's like we always. I always say it's the one friend that I still get to see regularly during a pandemic. I know. <laughs> Do you want Cheers. to just briefly go over what the pelvic floor is? Because I okay. feel like, again, a lot of people don't hear. This is what we talk about day in and day out in the clinic with our yeah. clients. And I would say most clients coming in are not really aware where the pelvic floor is and really kind of what it does. Yeah. So I like to always start my, this is my friend, the pelvis. Um, the pelvic floor is actually three layers of muscles that sit at the base of the pelvis. So if we're going to reference where the pelvis is, we need to sort of understand where the, where the bones are that the muscles attach to. So if you take your hands and you put your hands on your hip, um, sometimes when I'm, not super thrilled with my children. I put my hands on my hip. This is where I'm actually placing my hand. So if you put your hand on your hip, you're touching the upper crest of the pelvis. That's the top of the pelvis. And if you take your hand and you put your hand underneath your bum cheek and you feel that bony prominence at the bottom of your bum, that's actually your sits bone. And the pelvic floor attaches from the front of the pelvis all the way around, catches your sits bones, comes all the way around and connects to your coccyx and for reference, the coccyx is the top of your bum crack. So we can't see you. If you want to find your bum crack, you can place your finger right there. You're actually holding onto your coccyx. So those are the, the entire pelvic floor is almost like a bowl that sits underneath your pelvis. And there's three layers and they have five jobs. You ready? Should we do it? So the five jobs of the pelvic floor are to hold in your urine, feces and a release when you, your urine, your feces when you're sitting on the toilet um, to provide healthy sexual function, to uh, hold up all your organs. And this role becomes really, really important throughout your pregnancy because you're holding, those muscles are holding up your bladder, your uterus and your rectum. And your uterus looks like this when you're not pregnant. It does not look like this when you are pregnant. It gets, like, I don't even, I should actually look into the stats because I always talk about this, but I don't know relatively percentage wise how much bigger it goes, but it goes from this size to the size of a, when they, when you're pregnant, you follow these apps and they say, today your uterus is the size of a grapefruit. Today it's the size of a watermelon. Um, I would say it becomes, let's go say from two pounds, it goes to 35 pounds. Your, your pelvic floor muscles are holding up this this organ that is really getting much larger. And so what they, what those muscles have to do throughout pregnancy is much larger. Um, or, it, you know, it requires a lot more from them. They also help pump blood back to our hearts. And they also have a massive role in stability and uh, supporting our core and as part of our core and stabilizing our, our bodies and our pressure system. So 
basically they do a lot of stuff, right? Um, and I think that the only thing we've ever heard about the pelvic floor is that we, it's a Kegel. That's the only reference point we've ever really had. But what that does is, is it assumes that every muscle in its job, the only role that you have to do is to actually strengthen it. And that if it's not doing its job or if it needs to work harder, we have to make it stronger. But really every muscle needs to be strong, flexible, has to be able to work for longer periods of time, has to work with all the muscles around it and coordinate, has to be flexible. There, there's so much more to the picture that if the only thing you had to do was to Kegel, um, we wouldn't have all the different issues that we see. Um, and certainly we'd wanna make sure that during pregnancy, that the muscles are available to you, that they're flexible. Um, I actually just saw uh, Dr. Sinead talking with our friend Nikki Bergen mm -hmm. about pregnancy, about how there's a really protective response during pregnancy. You know, a lot of our clients wanna hold that baby in. And so they're actually, what they do is they actively, without realizing it, hold in that, that, those muscles. And so part of it's teaching the muscles how to contract, also how to release. And when we're talking about contracting, how to contract with their, with their other, uh, their other system, systematic friends, other muscles that work together with the pelvic floor. Yeah. So with that, when we talk about the other muscles, so we call it like the inner core canisters. So you've got your diaphragm under your ribs and that's like your deep breathing muscle. And so let me see if I can come up here and I'll bring my pelvis. So I breathe in, really for that relaxation and the exhale to lift. So this kind of movement. So I think that's where and how Han and I are very much the same is traditional Kegels, people think of just squeezing. And so with this question, people ask about, should I just Kegel or relax the Kegel muscles? It's actually more to it. So really a contraction is like a contraction, engaging and a relaxation. Like that is one repetition of engaging and relaxing the pelvic floor. So we call it, I mean, there's the core breath, core canister breath, lots of different terms with it, yep. but that's typically what we teach our clients and mm -hmm. what I teach in my bump to birth course. It's not just about isolating these muscles. Yep. So that's where the difference is. Um, and I have clients do that all the way till birth. I know um, there can be a misconception of like to stop doing it just before birth, but really you do wanna keep that for a lot of reasons that Hannah talked about. You want that flexibility, that pliability, the blood flow. Um, and really when we also look at the research, pelvic floor muscle training does not hinder having a vaginal birth. Um, it can even shorten for first time moms. It's been shown to shorten first and second stage of labor. So basically labor and pushing. Um, it does not increase the risk of a third degree tear, a fourth degree tear, episiotomy, forceps, vacuum, or cesarean birth. All the stuff we're so, hoping to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to kind of bust that myth. Now, when it comes to this person that asked about relaxing the Kegel muscles. So I use a visual of like, um, of like a flower blooming. So inhale, flower bloom, exhale, keep it open. That's more of a breath to use during labor. So yes, it can be helpful to practice that during pregnancy, but it doesn't replace the pelvic floor muscle training. Like yeah. it can, you can do it both during pregnancy, essentially. 100%. So for a lot of people, I'll introduce that at a point and it's just to use during labor and birth, but they can use it during prenatal yoga. Also constipation, which can be a pelvic floor issue. 
using yes, that idea of relaxing the yeah. pelvic floor could actually help with constipation during pregnancy. So there can so be different important. Yeah. So there's Nobody just wants different reasons. <laughs> yeah. So it's just good. So like this question I think is great because I do think a lot of people have questions around this. Yeah. So what we're saying is technically you want like pelvic floor muscle training is a, contra a contraction and a relaxation. Yes. And, and then, you have to know how to do both. You cannot just exactly. do one. You have yeah. to have the ability to do both. Yeah. Um, and, and there are people who, um, if they've had a birth before, they've had a loss before, there's, there's different reasons why your pelvic floor will respond in a certain way. We really do get, uh, our pelvic floor is not, it's, it's a little bit of a special muscle because we work with it, but I'm just joking. No, it's really a special muscle because it actually gets direct input from our brain. So when we go into this fight or flight system, um, well, all, if all muscles get input from our brain. Let's start there. It gets direct input from our fight or flight system. So when you sort of have um, a need to protect or you're worried about something or you're driving, you know, you're driving through traffic or, you know, you're running away from a bear, you're, these muscles actually do go into this protective contraction response. Mm -hmm. And in that response, we don't want anybody to be overusing those muscles, but sometimes contracting them helps you relax them. And so there's this real balance that we have to find and you won't necessarily know what your muscles are doing without seeing a pelvic floor therapist who can actually help you understand those pieces. Mm -hmm. And for sometimes people too, how you talked about um, like the diaphragm with the pelvic floor, for some people, you know, trying to think of contracting your pelvic floor is really hard to connect to. So even starting just with the breath, and so Han and I are similar with this idea of the umbrella breath or this like 360 breath more so around the rib cage. Yeah. Um, getting into that diaphragm is actually a way to almost get into your kind of addressing the pelvic floor. So for some people, that is a great place to start and then okay. adding on the pelvic floor. So as you can tell, it's not like uh, a yes and no answer. Not it, a one size is, fits all. <laughs> there is complexity to it, but just for people to know pelvic floor muscle training is not bad to do in pregnancy. You just want to know how to contract and how to relax and what cue works best for you because yeah. there's lots of cues um that we use and that's why something i actually find really interesting because people get very tied to their to their cue um mm -hmm. when we're looking at the contraction the relaxation um they're like and, and sometimes thinking about a kegel is not effective but mm -hmm. thinking about drawing in a you know a marble or holding in their pee or whatever it is is more uh, is more effective and I'm like these are just words that actually produce the response that we want and the mm -hmm. only way they produce the response is by assessing you and knowing that these words are words that your brain understands yeah yeah and I think this is good because there was another question um a few questions actually about pelvic floor tension including can that prevent a vaginal birth and this is this can be a big question but it goes, I think it ties really well with what you were bringing up too, Hannah, is rather than thinking of pelvic, like if someone discovers they have tension in their pelvic floor, and this can happen to um, if you have pain with intercourse or penetration, there may be tension there. However, the tension within our pelvic floor is a protective response mm -hmm. from our nervous system. So not like that, a tight muscle that has to be released sort of. Yeah. Situation. Yeah, it's finding ways to get into that nervous system to relax. So for example, during birth, 
you know, someone might be really tense because the environment they're in, they don't feel safe or they don't feel like things are being explained to them um, or they're just not aware of what could happen. So if you aren't being educated about labor and birth and you're just not sure what's even happening to your body, then that can cause your body and nervous system to want to protect, which again, the pelvic floor is part of that system. So there may be tension there. So I wouldn't say it's, it prevents a birth and they really haven't studied that it's it's more about knowing it's not really necessarily the pelvic floor but the whole body is likely tense and in that protective mode um because i know we both had clients who um with birth you know coping through birth or that i've talked to postpartum and they go back and think about their birth they're like wow it was probably really really tense including the pelvic floor but because I was not aware of what was going like I just couldn't let go into a contraction so then their care provider would recommend why don't you get the epidural it's going to give you a rest like your body needs this so that you can then go on with labor and push and that so you can continue with birth and it helps they end up getting the epidural sometimes people will have a nap um, but at least it'll allow their body to to rest yeah and almost allow their body and their pelvic floor being a part of that whole system, relax, and then their labor actually takes off and progresses. Yeah. So like so I said, it is, a, it is a big question, but I think I would agree that that pelvic floor tension, it kind of um, has gotten really big. And then anytime there is a, a bit of tenderness in that, then someone gets told never do pelvic floor yep. engagement. And so we're trying to kind of bring that back of being like, no, it is actually good to contract and relax the pelvic floor. So doing that full engagement and release is actually good. Um, Focusing on the breath. And then when it comes specifically to birth, it's all that prep, preparing your mind and your body is just so important and then can help your body let go within um, within labor as well. And I think that's and, such a good segue to perineal yeah. massage because we got some questions about perineal massage as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And people ask kind of like, uh, there were some questions around like when to do it or also someone mentioned about they had a third degree tear. So would that be a good idea? Um, and so perineal massage can be great, can be very helpful. Um, typically you would start doing it near the end. So around 34 ish weeks. Yeah. Um, I, same. I do the same. Yeah. And really it's, it is good to talk about that. Um, when people think of perineal massage, they think of they're stretching, stretching. out the muscles. Like you're getting like, in there and you're releasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not, it's yeah. really about connecting to that area. So getting to know your pelvic floor learning how to like breathe and relax into kind of that discomfort or that stingy sensation kind of around the vaginal opening. So that's really more what perineal massage is meant for. It should be like um, an empowering experience, understanding yeah. that the sensation reduces when you can breathe and release into it. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it's great. There was a big study that came out this year that showed it can decrease the risk of third and fourth degree tears, um, episiotomies, postpartum perineum pain. So that's pain after you give birth around this area, as well as decrease the risk of anal incontinence. So that's leaking stool um, postpartum. So there can be benefits to doing it. And again, those are things that Han and I do in the clinic. So as pelvic physios, if you're seeing one, they should know how to educate you this on this. Um, and then I also go into detail in my uh, Bump to Birth online course about it. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. And one of the things that's yeah. really important, I think, around perineal massage is also um, 
creating the environment that you're hoping to create during your birth. So if you want to listen to specific music or hypnobirthing, or you're, you know, you're going to have your partner talking to you about something, or you have a visualization or something like that. When you're doing the perineal massage, it's an awesome time to get all those pieces together so that, I mean, birth is an experience like you're, you're, you've never had before. So you can't truly prepare for it except to get as close as possible to it. And perineal massage is as close as we're going to get to it. And so using your positive visualizations and the sounds and the smells that you're hoping for, that can, you know, you don't want to arrive um, at your birth and be like, what was that thing that Anita told me to do? I'm supposed to breathe in a certain way. It's a time to practice your flower bloom breathing, to practice, you know, going through your hypnobirthing or visualizations or whatever it is that you're hoping to use. Um, I think that perineal massage is an amazing opportunity to give you as close of an experience as you can get to that birth. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's so key to bring up is I think there's a lot of talk around the physical prep when it comes to birth. Um, but the mental prep is just as important. And without that, it's actually hard to tune into the physical yeah. relaxation. Because if you haven't figured out something that's going to work for you to kind of be able to zone in and focus and stay in the moment and just get through one contraction at a time versus your mind racing to like, when is this going to be done? Or you're seeing the clock or you're feeling other people around you. Um, kind of their energy if they're feeling like let's get things going um, so I talk to my clients about this and in my course as well is finding what works for you but you gotta use it in pregnancy yeah I mean practice like, yeah like hypnobirthing so whether it's hypnobirthing meditation that's what I use for both births I loved it that was the main part of hypnobirthing I personally used um, and I've had clients there is a, a new meditation within my course um, that Dr. Mariska Taylor, who's a naturopathic doctor, and she was actually my doula with my first birth. She created it for the course. Um, and it includes the flower bloom breath visuals, Amazing. which is great. Just those reminders. Yes. Um, Love it. But listening, like whatever works for you, listening to it in pregnancy and often. So what can work well is listen to it. Like when you're going to sleep, you will not hear the end of it. <laughs> totally fine. I tell people because there is one in your subconscious though also right that's what it helps so you're yeah. in that deep state of relaxation when you're hearing it and as you're falling asleep and that's exactly what you want for labor you want to get to that deep state so listening to it over and over in pregnancy I laugh because like I I think with both I started around 20 weeks and I listened to it at night and I would just play it on my phone out loud next to the bed and my my husband I was like I'm the one gonna be in labor I'm going through this you can put up with listening to you can meditation. listen to this yeah you'll be fine you no know, he was for sure like no problem <laughs> well one of one of the one of his ears he's actually has less hearing in it so he would just end up putting the <laughs> yeah he had whatever. it all figured out hey whatever works yeah right it was funny um, and then when I was pregnant <laughs> with Jack he's like when are you gonna start listening to that and I was like soon soon get on it. so get yeah. on it get on it yeah. um yeah I think that I, I really do there were some questions around a doula as well we've got some there's yeah. great research around the support of uh, mm -hmm. having a support person there um yeah. And part of it's also, yeah, reminding you of your visualizations, making you yeah. feel comfortable, assured, taking care of you. If you have a partner and you're birthing, that partner is usually having their own experience, right? And so yeah. having a doula there to support you is somebody, you know, directly um, in charge of you and your comfort and 
creating the environment that you were hoping for and supporting you to get the outcomes that you were hoping for. Totally. And yeah, a doula is great. And I can see, yeah, there's a question here and I know we had got some sent before. Um, a doula, and I think it's good to go over it because um, we've do both done the physio doula training. And then I also did another doula training. And then now I also assist the course in Canada now. And I just think it's important for people to know what what is the role of a doula? Because I know some people, their partner is concerned, does the doula take their place? And it, mm -mm. Not at all. So the doula is um, a physical, but also mental and emotional support for you, the person giving birth, but then can also provide support for your partner, which can include actually bringing them in yes. to help support you. Because in the moment, they're seeing you going through labor. And even if they've done prep, in that moment, they may not remember what to do. So the doula can be like, like, why don't you go do the double hip squeeze? Or like, why don't you go get them some yes, water? Which is or, amazing. Like, it's amazing. And I, because um, I remember I had doulas with both of my births, because I always tell people like, you can't doula yourself, even if you've done education like, and training. You can't help physio it. yourself, right? Yeah, no. So um, I remember with my first, um, my husband had not heard of what really doulas were, but I was like already in this work. We were both doing pelvic physio and pregnancy and all this. So he's like, I just trust you that this like, whatever doula business, yeah. um, having someone there should help. And after that, he was like, I'm a big fan of having a doula. Like yeah. she was able to give him a break um, throughout labor so they could kind of tag team supporting mm. me. Um, and then also remind him of things like you could go do this or why don't you try that? So Doulas you should go are, eat depending on how long the labor is like the the, totally. the partner often feels like they need to be there the whole time just in case but then they don't take care of themselves which means they're not available yeah. to you and so the doula is like i got this for now you go take care you know you go take care of your needs uh which yeah. is really important as well yeah and um oh i was gonna say because make a positive impact when you mentioned about partner support what about using doulas I'd considered, yeah, a water birth, but there is a lot of breath work and mental work. And there is, I would say for birth in general, yep. I can speak from experience. My second one was a, a water birth. Um, and there's a lot of mental prep and uh, breath work. But I would say like doing that in general, regardless of what birth um, are your preferences, because you don't really know in the end how it's going to go until you're there. <laughs> like um, you never really know. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great. So in terms of having a doula, like, my doula was there to like, I wanted my meditation on, on my phone near me all the time. They were like getting towels for me because you, you get warm, you get cold, changing the water mm. in and out at one point because she was also a physio doula. So she was able to just to do some gentle kind of release on the outside around uh, like my sacrum because um, I was on hands and knees in the tub. Um, but they could do like hip squeezes or sacral pressure or you know, there's so many things they can do regardless of the the type of birth that you're having. Um, I do highly recommend if a doula is available. But the issue right now is not everywhere you can have another support person. Right. So I know where I am right now, they're back down to one support person. Um, so I know some doulas are doing virtual work. Um, but Which is I think actually it's really effective. They, they, can, yeah. they can really help the part, the person, the one person who's there with you to learn yeah. what to do also and to remind yes. them what to do. Um, yes. So I, you know, a lot of people are like, does this virtual thing work? 
it's pretty amazing. We've had, I've had a lot of clients with really great virtual doula experiences. Um, and like one of the, one of the most important things that a doula does is actually remind you what your birth plan was. So a lot of us created a birth plan, um, thinking that it was all going to go the same, but really we, we don't, we don't recommend creating a birth plan per se. We actually recommend educating yourself about, about birth so that you know if this is if x is being suggested then y and z is what is what the possible outcomes are going to be and so you can think a couple of steps ahead and so having somebody who has this continuity of care so if you arrive um if you're having a hospital birth for example then there's somebody who's like remember you said that if this is presented to you this is the choice that you wanted when you're in actually like in birth and in delivery, or, you know, you're really working through your, your labor, you're not necessarily thinking about things the way that you had thought about them before, because you're really, you know, going through a very deep life-changing experience. So that doula is like, Hey, remember we had this, you said that you wanted X, Y, Z, if this is presented to you, Mm -hmm. do you still want that? And instead of just like, I don't know, I found that I was tuned out what was happening around me. It's that person to be like, Hey, this is what's going on. What are your choices right now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like to call them birth preferences because I talk about with clients, it's just more about, you know, medically, depending how things are going, like these would be your preferences with this. And I find making it succinct. So like one, the template I give clients in my course, it's one page Yes. because I know care providers appreciate that. Um, coming in with a five page birth <laughs> plan, like they can't necessarily- go through that so make it one page make it to the it also forces you to make it to the point of what's actually important to you um so get one step further i actually if if my clients have like specific things they want to push they want to they don't want a purple push they want to deliver on their side they want to have an epidural but reduce an epidural i'm like choose your top three things and Mm -hmm. if you're having if you're working with a midwife um, midwives are actually there's continuity of care so they know what your plans are beforehand so you're not introducing those concepts to somebody new but if you're having a hospital birth you're likely meeting with um, a team that has never met you before your doctor may not be there so when you arrive at triage you say hi I want to deliver on my side um, I want to have, have my own way of pushing and I want to reduce my epidural my name's Hannah nice to meet you and then every person who walks in your room is going to, you're going to say, hi, this is what I want. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that by the time it comes to pushing or how you want to deliver, then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you want to try this, this way. You want to reduce your epidural and you want to deliver on your side. We know already so that you don't have to start advocating for what your birth plan is when you're actually in the throes of birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just good to, and I think, you know, talking to your care provider, like regardless of with your, if you're with an OB or a GP or a midwife, I really encourage people start talking about labor and birth earlier. And like, it is never to, you could ask and start talking at your very first prenatal appointment. Um, Because typically if you don't bring it up, it may not be brought up by them until much later, closer to birth. So if, you know, having options or understanding more about 
um, options for yourself during labor and birth or the facility you're giving birth at or the possible care providers who yes. might be there. Start asking questions early. It's yeah. so, so helpful. And what it's also going to do is helpful. It'll help you go into labor, having done your education, know your options. It's going to allow you to let go more yes. because you actually have more knowledge going in about the possibilities. Not that there's one way birth is going to go, but you're going to know about options. Yeah. Um, and it just really allows your body to like let go more into labor. 100%. I think like a, an empowered birth is a birth where you are part of the decision making process, but mm -hmm. and things aren't happening for you or to you. Um, yeah. And if you you can make easy, quick decisions, when you are educated about about them. But that happens totally. before, not during. Yes, yes. Yeah. So let's see, there was Oh, yeah. So there was also a question about VBAC. And I know both of us see a lot of clients who are planning VBACs in my course. Definitely a lot of people are coming in because they want to prepare differently um, this time. So yeah, so why don't we jump into that, Hannah? What would you say when you have a client come in who has had a cesarean, um, they want to prepare for a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after yeah. a cesarean. What are some things that you start going or start talking to them about or addressing? So the first thing that I do is I actually make sure that they process the birth from before. So um, often if somebody is choosing a, a VBAC, it's because they had a cesarean section for their, their previous birth, and it's not something that they choose for themselves for the next birth, for whatever reason. Sometimes it's planned because of uh, circumstances for the first birth or the, or the previous birth, and sometimes it was an unplanned cesarean section. But for whatever reason, the, we still, there are often a lot of feelings tied to birth. And it's really, really important that we process the birth from before. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to, again, walk into this next birth, holding on to all that stuff that happened before, because it does make it more challenging to let go. It's almost, it actually creates more pressure on the birth than, um, than we want in order to be able to release and let go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know some people are like, do I still work on my pelvic floor? What about my old scar? All of these things. And so that much. is, that is part of what we do too, is, you know, doing an assessment and checking, you know, what needs to be addressed, you know, connecting very much the same as someone who is coming much. in, who, you know, was like, regardless of having a cesarean before. Um, and exactly talking about like, um, how they feel about their last birth or maybe why the cesarean was what was recommended. So working through that on different levels. And I find too with my clients, because there are some who they almost feel this pressure of they've got to figure out, do I want to be back or do, wanna, do I want a repeat cesarean? Um, and I, I end up telling them like, it's your choice and you really don't need to make that choice right now. And I know so many care providers I've talked to, they, they're the same. They're like, we support the client and they can decide that later, like prepare for both. Yes. So I find as physios, that is one of our roles is we will prepare them physically and mentally for both. And I've had some clients that literally decided in the last couple of weeks, one way or the other. Yep. Um, and other ones go in actually just this past, um, the last day I was in clinic this week. Um, I was working with uh, a couple. So that's also what we do too as physios is partners are able to come in, especially all the birth prep that we talk about. 
um, and she's going in planning for a VBAC. But we've talked about along the way, like, have you thought about at what point do you feel like, all right, like this is as far as I want to go in labor. Yeah. And to bring this up with her, like with her care provider, just so they can have that dialogue ahead of time so that she feels like she's heard and her preferences and she might change her mind in the middle of labor and her care providers are fantastic and they're like we get that we hear you um and her partner too wants to be very much a part yeah. of the conversation last time he felt like he wasn't necessarily part of the conversation mm. with how things went and just this time it's so important to him and to her um that they're both aware of what's going on so that's kind of with, when it comes to VBAC there is there's a lot of prep we can do uh, so that you feel supported as well. And I've had a number of people go through the course too, um, because it is important just to know your options, prepare your body and mind very similarly. Um, but there may be some things to work through from your past birth as well. A hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, there, there's still, we, we prepare for a VBAC very similarly to the way that we prepare for a first birth. Mm -hmm. um, because if you haven't delivered vaginally before, we're going to, we're going to prepare you in that same way. And sometimes the scar has to need some work and sometimes the scar is amazing. So I don't make the assumption that because somebody has had a cesarean, a previous cesarean section or cesarean birth, that their, their VBAC is going to be impacted by that at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to backtrack a little bit with some quiet, cause I know we've just done a lot about birth prep, which is great. We're going to talk a little bit more about pregnancy because we did have a number of questions. Some asking yeah. about, you know, they're dealing with back pain. Is there anything I can do? Um, another one was I'm leaking or I'm leaking with sneezing since the start of pregnancy. Can this change or am I stuck with this until after I give birth? So again, this is something Hannah and I address like every day as pelvic physios. Um, so yeah, Hannah, what would be your answer about those? Um, back pain and leaking are never normal and there was always help. I think, you know, we talk a lot about postpartum, how people think, well, I've had a baby, so I can't do anything about this back pain or this leaking, but absolutely your, your, your pelvic floor and your, um, pelvic girdle and your low back do not need to be in pain or distress or leaking throughout pregnancy. You absolutely can hope for a um a pain-free and a symptom-free um pregnancy yeah exactly i like to talk about it as in like they're common but there is help yeah so there are a number of things that you can do um i'll see after if i can post some you can look back in my post i definitely have a number about um strategies to help with sneezing in terms of impregnant leaking and sneezing i've had a number of people they call it like peezing so peeing while you sneeze um, and also the number of posts too about different way, different strategies for like pelvic pain, back pain. Yeah. Um, so we just want you to know that there is help. It can change with pregnancy. I think a lot of people are surprised and even how quickly, like I, one of my oh, new yeah. pregnant clients, um, we're going to talk about that because we've had some questions about prenatal physio. So Hannah and I are very similar in terms of right now we're doing all assessments virtual. And we should both mention that all of the clients we both see have pelvic floor symptoms, concerns, or goals. Because I think some yes. people 
kind of are wondering how you could do an assessment virtually, but we're going to talk about that because it is very effective. Um, we will do, we can also do in-person follow-up. So at that point we can do public floor exam, but even with a virtual assessment, we're able to get a pretty good idea what's going on with your body in the pelvic floor and already starting to address pelvic floor issues, even without an internal assessment. Yeah. Um, and, but, and pretty effectively, I have to say, like, yeah, well, yeah, because in terms of just for an example, like one of my pregnant, new pregnant clients um, that I saw a couple weeks ago, her biggest thing was back pain and leaking pee with sneezing. She has a job that requires her to be on her feet for long shifts. Yeah. And so we addressed both of those in her assessment. She, her first follow-up was in person. She walked in and she was like, so my back pain is gone and I'm not leaking anymore. And I haven't even seen you in person. And this isn't just me. Like this is a lot of pelvic physios can, can, you know, have these strategies for you and things can change even without seeing you in person. So I did want to talk about it because I think, there since last March now, there's been a lot of virtual care. Um, and I feel like all the clients I've seen are very much on board with it. But if in case you're watching and you have questions, you're not sure if it's um, work or not. Yeah, it's to know been. Han and I, we do assessments virtually right now and then mm-hmm. follow-ups or a mix of virtual in person. And it has worked like so well for clients. To the even... point, I don't think we're even gonna go ever gonna go back. Like yeah. when my clients have new babies, getting out of the house is exceptionally challenging. Um, mm-hmm. being able to provide care to them um, while they're sitting at home um, has been a game changer in terms of the effectiveness, in terms of the follow through, um, and in terms of following the care plan that we determine. It mm-hmm. has been, it, it, it's been outstanding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been, and I think every time I get off an assessment, people are like, I'm Whoa. actually kind of surprised. <laughs> But I think it's because with virtual care or telehealth care right now, I mean, there's so many different, um, different professionals doing it and it will vary to different degrees. Like our assessment is still the length of when I had an in-person assessment because there is a lot of education. Um, We do talk, so we'll go through now. We might as well go through what's in kind of like a virtual assessment. So We go through like your medical history, if you've had births before your previous birth history, if you're pregnant, then obviously we're going to check about your preferences or what you're thinking for your upcoming birth. We're going to go through how you got pregnant, right? You're like all of those, all of those pieces. Mm -hmm. And your symptoms, your goals. And then we end up educating about the pelvic floor, Hannah and I, like this is, this is the one I have at home. And then there's one in the clinic. And then we also have like the flexible pelvis. So there is always multiple versions. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so we do a lot of education around the pelvic floor and the core canister and how that's all connected. And then we'll even take a look at their breathing and standing and sitting or movement. So if you're leaking pee when you squat, in a virtualist, yeah, we're going to yeah. have you squat. We're going to look at your strategy we're going to be able to already start making changes in your assessment. So I think that's key for people to know, like, it's not just talking, it is not no. just talking. And, yeah. and a big piece is also, we, we both treat based on a biopsychosocial model of care, which means we are looking at the whole person. I think that what gets lost along the way very, very often is that when people think about pelvic physio, they think all we are doing is we're just like, hi, right into your pelvic floor. 
but that's that's not what we do, right? Our our pelvic yeah. floor is is central to our entire body. It's right at the right at the center, and mm-hmm. we our bodies respond to like our biology, our muscles, our nerves, our tendons. All of those pieces respond to our our you know our social connections, our where we are socioeconomically, where we are, you know, in terms of our relationships with with family and friends. Are we anxious? Are we feeling overwhelmed? Are we stressed out? All of those things, there's no mind-body connection. Those two things are one and the same. Our body responds to where we're at here. And we have to understand that it's not just gonna, again, going back to like that pelvic floor and that tension during pregnancy being protection. It's not just about releasing tight muscles and stretching it. It's understanding what is the root cause of the symptoms that you're presenting us with. Exactly. I think people are surprised we do talk about stress or like it's on our intake form about stress. How do you, what are coping, like how do you cope with stress? All these different things because that's actually going to help us help you in terms of addressing symptoms that you may not realize are actually associated with stress but actually are and then we can already start using strategies you already find helpful but tune them into why you're seeing us. So there is, there's quite a bit that we go through with that. And like, so oh, it's we look deep. At, yeah, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> yeah. And we look at, like I so said, we look at your movement and that's what I love with virtual, like, especially of clients who, um, let's say, uh, like postpartum getting back to running and things like that. I've had a number of clients who have treadmills at home, awesome. but even outside, like they'll set up their phone and I can watch them run. And so we can already tweak strategies or the same with when they're on yeah. their treadmill. You could even do it up and down their hallway. Like yep. it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be super complicated yep. in, order to be, in order to be extremely effective. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it's really great in terms of we can see everything that's going on. And then why don't we go into, so that would be kind of within the assessment, especially with virtual and like, so we go into strategies and treatment right away. But what about when someone comes in for an in-person when it comes to pelvic floor exam? In terms yeah. of what happens there. Yeah. Do you want to kind of so, go? Sure. So um, when somebody comes in for a pelvic floor exam, we get this question pretty often. Like if somebody is not prepared for a pelvic floor exam, you're not having a pelvic floor exam. We can still create a really effective, a uh, really effective experience for you and really treat those symptoms really well without providing an internal assessment. Having said that, an internal assessment is the grade A level to know what is happening with those muscles. And more importantly than that, it gives you feedback as to what's happening with those muscles. Because we can show you if you breathe like this or if you go like that, can you feel, can you connect to those, to those muscles there? And most people have never even taken the time to, to really think about that. So when somebody comes into the clinic, um, we are, we're still looking at their, their, them functionally. Are they, how they squat, how they walk, how they, we're getting our hands on their actual external muscles. Um, You know, are they tight? Are they, are they, are they weak? What does the fascia feel like? What's going on in and around their body? We're watching them move. And then we're going to do with their permission, an internal assessment. With an internal assessment, we are looking at the nerves around the area. We're looking at their, their muscles. Can they contract? They're looking at the reflexes. We're looking at sensation. When I touch your thigh, do you reflexively contract? Does that feel safe for you to have somebody touch, touch those areas? 
we need to make sure that someone is not saying to me, yes, you can, yes, you can assess me, but really they just mean get it over with. In that case, we are not actually assessing that person. We are doing everything within their levels of safety. And I really, I talk a lot about safety and people are like, it's just your hand, I know you're safe. But really we're talking about mapping safety within your central nervous system. Mm -hmm. So we, we will take a look at the, uh, at the external, externally what's happening along your vulva, um, around your perineum, around your external anal sphincter, right around the outside. What does the tissue look like? Is it red? Is it, you know, is it patchy? Is it swollen? What's happening in and around, around there? Is there irritation? Is that causing some of your symptoms? If you've already had a vaginal delivery, what does the scar look like? How mobile is it? We're looking at um, what's the tension of the, those muscles? It, are you like this all the time? Or is it like weak and floppy? And then we're also going to ask you to contract those muscles and relax them externally before we ever start the internal assessment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important too to know that we go through all of this with our pelvic floor models. We show this to you before we even do the internal to check to make sure that that is like that that feels okay to you. Yeah. And then as we're going through the exam, like Hannah was talking about, your physio will constantly be asking, like giving, asking for feedback on what they're, what you're feeling. So like tenderness or just pressure. Um, and at any point you can stop the pelvic floor exam. Yeah. Like it's not a big deal to us. We want to make sure that you feel you comfortable, comfortable with it. It's way more comfortable than a pap exam. There is no stirrups, no speculum involved. Um, and as physios, we're constantly communicating what we're finding, um, which I think a lot of people find typically with an internal exam doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then internally, we're checking how Hannah talked about, like, strength, how, um, how you can contract, relax coordination of the muscles. Uh, we'll also have you do, like, a fake cough, which lets us know about that coordination. So if you're leaking with coughing or sneezing, that'll let us know if that reflex if those muscles are coming on a little bit late. Yeah. And then also like a valsalva or a bearing down type movement, which, which lets us know the bladder and the rectum kind of their positioning. Now, in terms of with pregnancy, it's important for you to know, we do not check the cervix. That is nowhere your care near. provider. Yeah. No. So we are not touching the cervix or doing anything regarding the cervix in pregnancy. It is very safe to do the pelvic floor exam postpartum that is when we can check your cervix position and that to kind of know if things have changed at all. Yeah. But it is not part of a pregnancy pelvic floor exam. And then that being said as well, this is all done typically lying down. However, your pelvic physio should also be able to assess you in standing in terms of strength, how you can contract, relax your coordination because you may be having symptoms more than likely in standing or again, postpartum, when people are getting back to running, we want to make sure you can contract and relax those muscles and looking at um, their coordination and endurance against gravity and standing, um, because that's where you're symptomatic. So those are just kind of to give you a breakdown on what kind of the pelvic floor exam part of it is. But hopefully with how Hannah and I talked about it, you really understand that it's not just about the pelvic floor exam when you see pelvic physio, or at least when you see us or pelvic physios who have been trained similarly, we're looking at the entire body and yeah. looking at movement and not just pelvic floor contractions lying exactly. on your back. 
Exactly. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's also uh, important to know the consent piece. Uh, I really don't think we can mention it enough. Um, a lot of people are like, well, what if I'm like, what if I say yes, but then halfway through they decide, actually, I'm really not comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. Consent is an ongoing, uh, it's ongoing. And so you, your physio should be, and we certainly do consistently check in. Are you still okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And if the answer is no, you need to tell the person you're working with because it is their job to make sure that you are comfortable and safe. It is not their job to force you to have a pelvic floor assessment regardless because you came in. It's really, really important that if you feel uncomfortable, you let them know. It's their job to make you feel comfortable. Exactly, exactly. All right, so that brings us to the end of our questions that we could get to tonight, but feel free, you can always DM us. So I'm at Ballistic Health Physio and Hannah is at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. And so again, because we're both pelvic physios, so depending where you live, if you need to see one. Um, Come hang out with us. Yeah, I know. Hannah's in Toronto. I'm in Peterborough. So good to see you, Hannah. You, and, uh, Any chance to hang out, I'm going to take it. I know. We'll have to do this again soon. Okay, I can't wait. Uh, have a, have good, a night. good night. Bye, Bye. guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 